Hello and welcome to our second collaboration podcast. It's the Wednesday week and the Owls AmeriCast working together to delve deeper into the world of Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, I'm James Marriott from the Wednesday week. Uh, James Allen from the Owls AmeriCast is in New York. Now it's kind of late evening here, but I guess I should say good afternoon stateside to you. Uh, yeah, good afternoon. It's uh, it's a beautiful sunny afternoon uh, and I've got a beer in hand, which um, actually makes it a pretty good Monday. Now, we've just had a week of snowmageddon in the uh, in the UK. So you're telling us it's it's gorgeous, sunny, beautiful weather over there. That's that's not a good start, James. Uh, I'm just going to rub it in. I mean, uh, you know, there's no flooding. The power hasn't been out in New York. Uh, the sun is shining. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, everything's, uh, everything's good until Wednesday when the next storm rolls in. Um, Once again, it is our pleasure to introduce our very special guest, Peter Lohmann, um, who is up in Denmark. Um, Now, Peter, you're in a similar situation to us. Uh, You've got the the beast from the east has paid you a visit today, I believe. Yeah, we've got 10 inches during the day, so lots of uh, snow shoveling uh, in in the yard today for me. Is that a genuine 10 inches or is that the the usual kind of on the phone to work, I've got 10 inches? It's a genuine 10 inches, so yeah, it's, it was, but I mean, unlike the UK, civilization hasn't actually ceased to exist here, so uh, so we, we manage. <laughs> okay, now, um, you may have listened to our first special uh, a few weeks back, which was exploring the somewhat itchy subject of financial fair play. Um, we're back together, really, to delve a bit further. Um, as you know, the club's accounts were released last week, uh, and they're made for shall we say, interesting reading. Um, There was quite a lot to take in, so we're hoping over the next hour or so to make a bit of a dent into those figures to kind of see what they really mean um, and in practical terms where it leaves us and kind of what options we have now to move forward as a football club. We should kind of add the usual disclaimer at this point. None of us are kind of experts. We aren't accountants. I mean, to be fair, I can barely count. Um, but you know, we've spent a fair bit of time looking into the figures, researching, uh, kind of reading, talking, listening. Although, I mean, I say we. Um, this basically is kind of your analysis, isn't it, Peter? Well, yeah, I've uh, I've taken an interest in in this subject mostly because um, I didn't understand it, and when I encounter things I don't understand, I, I usually try to to get to a point where I at least understand them somewhat. Um, and there, there are lots of, um, of really good uh, people that you can follow um, on Twitter that know about football finance. So you can get up to speed quite quickly if um, if you have a little bit little bit of time as a decide for it. Um, and really, it's I, th- I think it's quite crucial as a Wednesday fan uh, to understand how um, our finances are at the moment because it's going to shape the uh, the future of the club in the in the next uh, two or three seasons. Uh, both on and off the pitch, so so that's why I've uh, been interested. And and you could say it's a it's a nice, uh, <laughs> or maybe not that nice, but it's um, a, a detour from having to uh, to watch us uh, capitulate on on the pitch as well. <laughs> nice distraction, nice distraction. Um, okay, so James, do you want to give us a bit of an outline of of what we're going to kind of cover in this in this podcast? Sure. So I guess. You know, I'm just going to repeat the disclaimer that you just made, James, which is that none of us are trained accountants. Um, and actually, a few people on Twitter have quite rightly, you know, pulled us up and said, "What qualifies you to talk about this?" Well, you know, mostly we're we're going to try and 
explain what we do know and what we can see based on the facts that have been confirmed by people who are more qualified than we are. Um, and then we're going to indulge in a little bit of discussion about um, you know, what it may mean based on our perspective of what we know to date, what's been confirmed and what it, what it may imply. But you know, it's, it's a perspective um, and people are welcome to, uh, to offer challenge and, and we look forward to that. So we're going to kick off really by just walking through the 2016-17 accounts in, in fairly layman terms in terms of what they told us. Um, discuss what that confirmed about our previous analysis in terms of the FFP situation, and then probably dive into two or three scenarios as to, to what the path forward might look like for Wednesday. Um, so that, that's basically the outline of where we're going to go. We're going to start with the numbers, talk about what it means, and uh, and then we'll wrap up with what we might expect in the summer. And um, just as one other disclaimer, uh, the other piece of feedback we received after the first podcast was that you know, there's a little bit too much chat about beards and uh, and beer. You know, there's kind of actually an allegation raised on Al's talk that we may just be three bearded hipsters with uh, with hummus <laughs> and uh, sushi in their in their fridges. So I'm going to put another disclaimer up there, and I'm going to say, you know, guilty as charged. I, uh, I live just across the border from Brooklyn in, in New York City. I do have a beard. Um, I have got quite a lot of hummus in my uh, in my fridge. The only point that they clocked out on, I'm afraid, is I don't actually like sushi. So um, I'll, uh, I'll raise a glass to, uh, to all those Al's Talk listeners, but let's get, get on with the numbers and talk about what the accounts told us. Okay, so um, I mean, this really is where we bring in um, bring in Peter to to kind of give it to. Uh, we, we've said that what we want to try and do tonight is keep this dead simple. There, there isn't anything particularly simple about uh, accounts for any business, really, when you look at it on 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 paper. So, Peter, what are the kind of the headline figures that we need to be looking at here? Well, obviously, uh, it's the, the simple bit is uh, is taking uh, money in and taking money out and uh, subtracting the t- the two. Um, and we look at it, at it that way, um, um, we, we're not doing too well. I mean, we, we lost £20 million um, in one season. And considering we uh, we have a turnover of, of uh, £23 million, um, that's quite a sizable loss. So every time we earn a, earn, earn a pound, we, we spend £2. Um, so that's probably not sustainable in the long term, uh, unless um, Chancery keeps uh, putting money into the, the business Um and that's really the only reason we're still here because we didn't have uh, Chancery or, or another owner putting his own money in. Um, well, we would we would probably be out of business by now. So, Peter, it's probably worth at this point saying that the accounts we're talking about are for the 2016-17 season. So, yeah. to orientate ourselves to the football calendar, that means the the season that finished last year, where we ultimately came up short in the semi-finals against Huddersfield that penalty shootout at Hillsborough. So. Over the course of that year, we lost 20 million. Um, the drivers of that loss, you know, really in simple terms, we actually we earned a little bit more on the revenue side than we had the prior year. The, the year we made Wembley, I think, um, revenue was up about six percent, um, but we spent a, a significant amount more than we had in the prior year. I think um, our, our operating costs were up a comparative 40 percent, so sort of tenfold uh, increase over our revenue, which is driving that loss. And that 20 million pound loss compares to nine million in the prior year. Is that correct? That's true. Yeah. So a cumulative loss of, of you know, approaching £29 million in two years. Now, this is where it becomes relevant to the FFP conversation. So perhaps you can refresh our memory just a little bit on how that compares to the FFP thresholds and the three-year plan that, that we have to work to. Yeah, uh, the FFP goes back, um, the, 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 the season in question, that's 16-17, and the two seasons before that, that's 15-16 um, and 14-15. Uh, so in that period, we're not really in trouble because um, the fourteen fifteen account showed a loss of four million. So, if you add those losses together, 
um, they should be uh, under the threshold of uh, 39 million pounds, um, which is uh, the, the allowed amount of, uh, of loss you, you can have under FFP uh, in a three-year period. And, and we're not gonna uh, we're not gonna have a problem with that um, with, with these accounts for 1617. However, the interesting bit is uh, the current season 1718, because um, if you look at, at the especially on the recruitment side, the board Jordan Rhodes in the uh, in the 1718 accounts his um, his transfer is going to figure, um, uh, and his wages are going to figure there. Um, and we also signed a player like George Boyd, who's probably going to be on, on quite a big uh, wage package. Um, so there's there's really no indication that we've reduced costs during 17-18. So um, my best bet is that the loss for 17-18 is um, around the same as for 16-17. Uh, for so if you add together the 20 million we lost in 16-17 and you add, together, uh, add that to the uh, 20 million we probably will lose this season, 17-18, you get to 40 million pounds, which is unsurprisingly more than the 39 million pounds we're allowed to have as a loss um and then you also have to add the uh, the 9 million pounds from from uh, from 15 16 so you get to uh get to about 49 million pounds in in total losses um then there's just not to get too technical but there this is quite hard to avoid getting technical uh, when it comes to this um i think the the EFL has put the the regulations for this on on the website um and, and I think you can actually scroll the page um, quickly for about 30 seconds without reaching the bottom of it. So there are a lot of regulations and a lot of, uh, of different terms and, and, and subconditions and what have you. So, so it's, it, it is technical. But there are some things that we can spend money on. And we, we actually touched on this in, in, the, in the first FFP conversation we had in January. Um, there are some things you can spend money on which won't count against uh, UFFP losses. So... If Chancery had 100 million pounds and he wanted to spend it on whichever Wednesday, he actually could do that without us getting into uh, problems because he could spend it on the youth academy, on the training grounds or, or ground improvements, um, uh, our community program and, and, and things uh, that you could call club infrastructure. Um, and that's quite important, Peter, because yeah. what it means is that the the accounts as they've been published, which, as we said, are, are for the last financial year ending uh, 31st of May 2017, the operating loss that's declared is the operating loss for the business as a whole. The loss that is captured for the purposes of FFP, we can assume is lower than that yeah. number um, because there will be some exclusions and some exceptions, which obviously we don't have access to. Um, only the club know what those allowed uh, expect elements of expenditure are. Um, and I think I saw an analysis today from the Swiss Ramble, which I highly recommend anybody who's interested in this topic from from spending some time looking through not least because of the beautiful charts that they create of, of all the comparative finances I'm, I'm a strategist so i kind of like charts um <laughs> if it's not in a two by two i'm not interested but what it does point out is that you can probably assume about three million pounds a year roughly can be deducted from the loss on an annualized basis for those type of of elements of spend. That's an assumption. But if you did that, then maybe we get to a £17 million loss this year, £6 million loss in the year previous, £23 million uh, cumulative. Um, and then you're looking at, at the issue in, in, in 17 18. I guess the bigger issue from an accounting point of view right now, unless something changes in our revenue and cost based structure, we can expect a similar magnitude of loss. And whether it's 17 or £20 million this year, um, that would put us in in breach terms relative to the the levels that have been set for profit and sustainability. 
which I guess brings us on to a question, which is, you know, what's what's driving our, our cost base at the moment? So, you know, right now we know it's um, it's primarily transfer fees and wages. Um, and one of the questions that was raised about the accounts that were just published is, you know, do they include the the expenditure that we put in last summer for, for Jordan Roads, et cetera? And I, w- I wonder if you can just kind of confirm that point because you touched on it before mm-hmm. and suggested that it wasn't included. But I know that's been a point of debate as people have tried to look at the, the notes and the details around the accounts. Yeah, it, I mean, we we did loan him um, in in the period that these accounts cover uh, sixteen, seventeen, and it is customary for for clubs to pay a loan fee, especially if it's a, a high profile player like like Jordan Rhodes. Um, and obviously, his his wages will will figure for that loan period will figure in the in the sixteen, seventeen accounts. Um, so so there's a possibility that that his, uh, his there's that there's a, a fee for his uh, for his loan period with this. Um, we don't really know how, how the deal for him was structured because it was quite um, un- it's quite uncommon to to have a deal like like that one where you have a a big transfer not going through before uh, the summer and then having half a year where where he's on a, on a loan deal instead. Um, so but it's it's the most likely scenario this is that he he was signed uh, in in the next financial year seventeen uh, eighteen the, the current one. Um, and as we we mentioned the last time on on the FFP podcast, uh, accounting and and accounting money is separate from real money, so to speak. Because when you when you have an expense like a transfer fee and a player, you obviously pay the real money um, to the club right away. But um, when you put it into the accounts, you you uh, you write it off uh, or amortize it over the length of the of the player's contract. Um, so, so the the money we paid for Rhodes, which is also a point of debate, how money, how much did we pay for him? Um, it's never been confirmed officially, so it's basically guess guesswork. But anywhere between six and ten million pounds is what we paid for him, and and if you if you you have to deduct that over the period of his contract, um, so so it's it's only part of his transfer fee that will figure in uh, in the accounts for for seventeen eighteen, um, and then another part will figure in eighteen nineteen, and and the final uh, part will figure in in uh, in the accounts for nineteen twenty. Um, but it's still it's still a significant uh, it's, it's still still a significant uh, increase in our in our in our in, uh, in our transfer spending um, for next season. It, I've, I've, the numbers I've done, uh, we'll probably be looking at having uh, not not a lower but a higher um, amount of, uh, of, of transfer fees amortized in uh, in seventeen eighteen, probably to the tune of uh, of ten million pounds, where where the, the current accounts uh, that were, were published. Uh, Last week, it, it was uh, something like six point five million uh, pounds, I think. So that that alone will grow the uh, the, the expenses for next season, uh, and and it's it's decisions we've already made, it's signings we've already made. So so there's not really anything we can do about it, other than <laughs> you could say sell the players. Um, so so let's just summarise that for a second. What we're basically saying is, to the best of our knowledge, we don't think that the recently published accounts include the the, the first element of that amortised transfer fee for Rhodes. Oh. Um, they will reflect any wages that we we expended on him during the period. But because we haven't sold any players over the course of this season or any notable notable high earners, um, we can assume that we're carrying pretty much all of the cost base that we had in the accounts just published. Um, as well as an additional level of amortized transfer fees, which started to trigger over the last 12 months, and, and roads would be the additional incre- increment over that. So unless something fundamentally changes on the revenue side, we can expect a relatively similar, if not higher, level of loss this year. Which then brings us on to an obvious question, which is, um, you know, wh- when, if we were to make sales, 
uh, or if we were to remove players uh, with high wages from the cost base, when would those be recognised? Would they be recognised in the 2017-18 the accounts or would we not see the benefit of that until the 2018-19 season, um, depending on, on when the financial year falls? Well, the financial year fi finishes on, on May uh, 31st and the transfer window opens on June 1st. So um, if you look at it that way, it's it's clearly in the next financial year, so in, in 18-19. But there's actually a provision in the uh, in the extremely long <laughs> uh, regulations on on, uh, on financial fair play and, and um, profit and sustainability from the year felt that says that if... Um, if you're in, in, if you're risking uh, the um, the breach of the of the 39 million threshold, then you can actually um, use some of the uh, the transfer um, fees received uh, in the summer after the accounts um, to to sort of tidy up the accounts and and, and stay within the uh, the the FFP limit of uh, of the 39 million. So there's actually a possibility to do that, but. It doesn't look like that we. It doesn't look like we. The that the, the period ending uh, in in. Um, uh, ending this season in in, in 2018, that, that the three years uh, coming up to that, that we'll we'll be in breach of FFP, we'll be just probably just on the line of it. Um, uh, so so it doesn't really make any sense to to have any income okay. uh, figure in that period if if uh, we wanted to uh, if we wanted to to, to stay uh, on uh, on site with the the FFP regulations because the bigger issue is actually uh, not the the end of this season but it's the end of the next season because then you'll have. Um, 17 sorry 16 17 with a 20 million pound loss and then you'll have 18 19 with a 20 million probably around a uh, 20 million pound loss as well um so then you have a third season where you can actually not make a loss uh, if you want to stay within ffp um so obviously um some of the, p the players we have uh, contracted you can sell um but there will also be players that we, we might struggle to uh, to um to sell or, or release without uh, incurring um some expenses um, so the big issue is actually not this summer, it's probably next summer. Um, okay. So, so I mean, I, I guess that kind of addresses the question, which is that we know we're going to be, you know, very close to the margin this season, but the real question is is what we do next, which we're going to come on to in a second. Um, I think it's probably worth just, just closing out on a couple of other quickfire questions on the accounts that I know have been raised. So you, you used a great example earlier on where you said, you know, for every one pound we had coming in, 20, 23 million pound uh, total revenue, I think, for the period, we we pretty much spent two pounds, so 20 million pound loss. Um, the obvious question is, how do you fund that loss? You know, if you've only got 20 million coming in, how do you spend 40? So the easy answer to that is that, you know, we are beholden to the the very generous and uh, un unwavering commitment of our chairman in terms of his financial co contribution to the club. Uh, which has been very significant over the past two and a half years. And it's easy to forget that none of this would have been possible without that injection of cash. That has a consequence for uh, the level of debt that we're carrying. And I know quite a few people have highlighted that the level of debt now on the balance sheet is is actually equivalent, if not higher, to, to you know, the, the period before uh, Wednesday went very close to administration. It, can you just explain a little bit about the, the debt that sits there and, and what that means in terms of whether the club is is more at risk than we have been in the past? Well, as long as Sensir is prepared to pay, the debt doesn't really matter. I mean, uh, Bolton have a debt of um, uh, two hundred million pounds, um, <laughs> and I mean they, they have a they have a, a lot lower revenue than we have, and and they're not likely to be promoted to the Premier League anytime soon. But that that debt just sits there and um, doesn't incur any interest from um, um, for for the owner of the club because he keeps funding them. 
So unless Tensuri decides to, to sell the club uh, and wants the, the loans paid back and, and uh, wants some, a new owner to pay him for, for the shares he has in the club, uh, there's, there's not really any issue whether that, that is um, 38 million or whether it's 70 million or it's 200 million. As long as 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 the uh, as the chairman is prepared to keep funding the club uh, and keep covering the losses, and I mean Tansiri, since including here the, the money he spent on taking over the club, he's he spent sixty three million pounds on on Sheffield Wednesday in less than three seasons. So it's not like he's not spent money; <laughs> he spent a lot. But there are just other clubs that have spent even more uh, than we have, and and uh, and have the revenue to do that because. They're in a different situation than we are, which we also touched on the on, on last time. Uh, the uneven playing field of the uh, of the pair of two payments from uh, from uh, from the Premier League, which ha- which actually increased in this season. That the encounter is about um, sixteen, seventeen. It used to be twenty million pounds, but now they get forty million pounds. So, I mean, we start we have a revenue of twenty three million pounds, but the clubs relegated from Premier League just get forty million pounds dug in hand before they generate any money from match day. Uh, income and, and 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 so on. So, it's it's a huge. That, that's actually I, that that really kind of caught me cold. And I, I think I saw a couple of really pertinent examples you pointed to today, Peter. I think Villa were one of them who we we yeah. referenced their accounts and they they spent sixty one million pounds on wages in the same period last year. Yeah. So you know, and, and they bought, as they much fifty percent as, as much of Wednesday again. But yeah. but what you're essentially saying is Wednesday could carry the cost base that we have. We could afford to play the players that we have the wages yeah, that we do. If we had those forty million pound a year parachute payments, which we we simply don't have, and and in fairness, what we've been doing is chasing the dream of of obtaining them by getting into the Premier League and probably falling back out again. Um, but just to kind of close out on the point in terms of of debt, I think Mr. Chancery is also on record as saying that he would like to put more into the club, and it's the profit and sustainability regulations, the FFP regulations, that prevent him from doing so. So that should give fans I think some level of comfort about the debt that we are carrying that it is with a single creditor um, it is yeah. assumed to be at least low interest if not interest free and that you know that, that creditor is on record as saying he'd like to put more investment not uh, not recoup his investment from the club so so that kind of pivots us to to the future um, and what this this might mean going forwards yeah, I mean, it's 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 not an issue. It's, it's really not an issue because before we the, the money world before was to uh, to the China House Bank and and that was uh, with with heavy uh, interest and we also had some loans to uh, to previous owners that had heavy interest on them, so that was that was uh, debt that we had to service. I mean, that is pay money, having um, that debt just like if you and I go to to the bank and loan money, they they want interest on on the loans and they want uh, the loans repaid over a period, but this debt just sits there. It's not it's not being repaid. Uh, we we're not being asked to repay it to, to Mr. Chansuri, so it's just it's just really just a figure uh, as long as Chansuri wants to to fund us anyway, and it's the same thing at at every other championship club. So I think people should really not focus on on the size of the debt because it's as long as Chansuri is committed to Sheffield Wednesday, it's just a it's it's really just a theoretical figure uh, in, in many ways. Okay, so whichever way we look at this. Um we are heading for an issue in terms of, of financial fair play um, in the not-too-distant future. So the um, the concept of let's stick our finger in our, in our ears and do nothing is not really an option. We, we have to do something, but what options do we have available to us? Well, the easiest option is uh, if you're spending too much money, uh, is spend a little less. Um, I could make a joke here about um, women and clothing, but I'll, I'm too good for that, and <laughs> I don't want, don't want anyone to scream at me. Twenty years but... too late, Peter. Um, <laughs> um, just say hashtag me too and get past it. 
<laughs> yeah, no, sorry. Uh, no, I mean... Hey, the, that was the, the wrong Me Too reference, just hashtag get with reality. Yeah, I know. Sorry about that. Um, no, the, 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 uh, the, only, the only real option we have is to sell players. Um, and in some ways, not so much to raise cash, but more to, to uh, remove them from the wage bill, because the wage bill is... Uh, is 29 million pounds, uh, which is actually in, in championship terms is a quite high wage bill. Um, interestingly enough, uh, Bison in the season they were promoted, if you exclude the, the, the payment they paid to the players for, for getting promoted, uh, I mean, they pay, paid them a quite a big bonus. If you exclude that, the wage bill of Bison in the promotion season was actually lower than ours is uh, in, in, the, in the same year, 1617, which is quite remarkable because people kept referencing Bryson as a club that spent a lot and had a high cost. And yes, their loss was £39 million in the season they went up. So, so I mean, it's it's not like we haven't um, put the resources there uh, to do to do uh, the same thing as Bryson, that is win promotion automatically. Um, we actually done that right away. We just, just it just the way we've spent the, the resource and used the resources that, that has not really um, helped us in, in terms of, uh, of winning promotion. Um, and, and I mean, again, there's there's the the fine margins of, of being in, in the playoffs for two seasons running and uh, and going out to uh, to to a single goal at Wembley and uh, and a penalty shootout in the semi-finals the year after. So, if I mean, it, it was it is essentially from the outside, it looks like uh, it looks like a lottery ticket um, that that Mr. Chancery has bought um, on the expected uh, uh, arrival in the Premier League and and uh, 100 million pounds a year in in in, uh, in additional income. Um, and it's it's so painful to to think about that, isn't it? Because yeah. you know, there's been those two moments of the last couple of years where all three of us and and I'm sure everybody listening has you know really sat there and thought, you know, today might be the day we get clo- close or there. You know, if it was Wembley, um, then obviously we were right there in the semi final. Frankly, that was a winning playoff campaign if we'd got it right. And if we'd gone up, we wouldn't be having this conversation because the income would easily mask our expense base and we'd be able to recast with, with much more flexibility. But what you're saying is we now have to recast the squad and we have to try and think about how we recalibrate the entire player, playing staff to match the type of capability that Brighton had last year at a lower or, or preferably significantly lower cost base. So the obvious question comes, you know, who can we sell and how do we get some of the, the highest earners off the wage bill to give us that that type of flexibility, which, you know, is a conversation I think we can all speculate on. But it's worth kind of you know stopping and talking for a minute about you know who is actually generating this cost, who who's on the wage bill that, you know, realistically Wednesday are going to have to consider moving on in the summer, and and who's saleable amongst that group. I mean, it, it, it's it's going to be guesswork really uh, on, on the wages because obviously the club doesn't uh, publicise the wages of, of the players, but. Um, I've done some estimations, really, and uh, and a lot of people have uh, have um, reacted to them. So I've changed them along the way, and I got quite close to the figure uh, for sixteen seventeen that was uh, then in the actual accounts. So so I'm, I don't think I'm. I think it's in the ballpark anyway. The, the, the figures that I have, but I mean under FFP, um, you you've, you obviously get the transfer fee right away when you receive it. Um, so that's different from from when when you're buying a player. So you don't amortize a transfer fee that you receive, um, which is a big a, a big bonus for us because uh, it means we can generate uh, uh, funds quicker than uh, than we would otherwise be able to do. And then obviously you also save the wages of the, of the players. And um, and I mean we, we've we've made a habit of uh, of signing players from uh, the Premier League uh, in in into or close to the 30s um, with quite a few Premier League. Uh, games to to the name, so so they're going to be on significant wages, um, 
and a lot of people, a lot of uh, of the players will be on on, on more than a million pounds uh, a year in wages, um, and, and and quite a bit over that. Um, so that's the money you save per season, essentially, if you sell them. And then there's obviously also the the, the transfer fee for some of the players. Um, and I mean, there are two ways to approach this. Um, one way is to to sell some of this the, the big name players or the star players, which will obviously generate a lot of cash. So you only have to sell maybe one or two of them, and then and there's the problem goes away really. Um, the other way is to to get rid of the uh, of the deadwood and um, and then maybe sell one big name player as well uh, to generate some cash to replace uh, the deadwood players with. Um, so that that's really the two options I see us having. Um, and if it was up to me, which uh, thankfully for for the sake of Chef Wednesday's future it isn't, um, I'd definitely recommend uh, selling Kieran uh, uh, Westwood because in Wildsmith and, uh, and Dawson, we have two very able young, young keepers and, and we could um, easily recruit a, um, a lower league uh, third uh, choice keeper as well to, 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 to be a backup for those two. Uh, and Westwood has been uh, declining in, in quality and he's become more injury pro, but he, he'd probably still generate quite a, a, a decent transfer fee considering his age um, because of his reputation. So that's that's a that's a bit of a no-brain for me. If 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 we are forced to sell, which we are, otherwise uh, we will we'll be under transfer embargo, which um, I don't think anyone in, in our fan base uh, is advocating we we should be. And then I'd, I'd look at what positions we're really well stocked in, and we well stocked in in uh, uh, up front really. Um, so I mean. Sam Winnell, um is already at Derby and, and there might have been a, a fee agreed as part of the uh, loan arrangement and we can all pray that, that, that that's not the case with the, <laughs> with Butterfield. Um, but but Winnell is, is an option because he's a young player. Um, on the other hand, you could say he's a young player, which means his, his uh, market value may go up um, as he gets better, hopefully, um, during the coming years. Um, and then you could you could also think. Uh, I mean, your nuclear option is uh, is to put someone like uh, like an reach up for sale because he, he would fetch on on the, on on the, on the good side of, uh, of of ten million pounds probably. Um, and then you make the problem go away right away. But but he's by far our most important player at the moment, uh, and he, there's every indication he's going to get even better in the coming season. So so we would really be selling um, a player for. for Let's say twelve million pounds. That could, in two or three years, be worth double that um, if he continues his um, his development. Um, so that would be, I would say, in uh, business terms, unwise. Also, because we're not. I mean, we are we are up the uh, the uh, proverbial uh, creek full of feces, but we're not quite uh, taking in water yet. So so it's it's desperate times, but we 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 can actually uh, we have some wiggle room. So I'd, I'd, I'd probably look at offloading some of the uh, the older players on, on high wages, um, players like like Boyd and Jones, um, and and which we, we, we definitely not should definitely not um, renew the contracts of uh, of, of uh, players like Ross Wallace and, and, and Glenn Lovens, um, and and probably not Padilla either, um, considering his age and, and injury proneness as well. Um, but the issue is one 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 issue is um, servicing the. Uh, um, the, the loss, so to speak, that, that we uh, uh, that we were, that we're facing. Uh, I mean, the, the breach we have of, of the FFP um, at the end of, of uh, 2019 uh, of, of the 18-19 uh, season. Sorry, um, and we probably need somewhere around uh, 10 million pounds, uh, maybe 50 million pounds generated to be able to both um, 
uh, not breach the uh, the FFP uh, limit, but also be able to to uh, have a little funds, uh, a little bit, a little, little bit of money to uh, to reinvest in in uh, replacements for the player we, we players we're going to be moving on. Um, so that's that's probably the ballpark figure. So so you have to add together the uh, the transfer we receive and and the uh, and the wages we, we're going to save um, um, f- for that season. Uh, so so basically. Um, I'd probably advocate selling uh, Westwood and, and one of the strikers, and uh, and then get rid of uh, um, some of the deadwood, which in my book includes um, George Boyd and and probably a little harshly, but considering his wages and his age, uh, David Jones as well, um, and definitely not re- as I said renew the contracts of uh, Lovens, Podil and uh, and Wallace. Um, uh, that's that's probably that that could probably do the trick. Um, but there's there's. I mean, considering how we've performed this season, there's also the argument that this squad isn't capable of doing what it's supposed to do, um, and is tangentially interested in in uh, reconfiguring the squad to uh, to to, let, to like say a, a safe top ten club uh, or mid table club. I mean, he came to Wednesday wanting promotion within two seasons, so he he'll be wanting a squad that can challenge for for the playoffs uh, at the very least next season. So that's that that probably suggests we'll we'll have to sell more players um, to get get newer ones in of, of higher quality um, because we're not going to be shopping in the, in the fancy supermarkets uh, with the, with all the hummus and, uh, and sushi uh, on the shelves. We, we, we're <laughs> going to be shopping in, in, Al- in Aldi and, uh, and similar similar establishments, um, maybe, maybe even Poundland um, uh, in some cases, uh, especially for the backup positions. I mean, it is it, it is quite kind of um, depressing, isn't it, to be to be going through actual you know players' names and you know who do we think we can sell and and this kind of you know if you've got to raise ten million pounds, it almost becomes a little bit like a board game where you're thinking right, how do you raise that you know ten million? It's, it's kind of we we were joking the other day in our WhatsApp group, weren't we, about kind of like a, a monopoly. Uh, analogy, but it is a little bit like looking at what cards you've got and how much you get for for remortgaging this and how much you get for remortgaging that and how to get this magic sort of figure that that we think is the amount that we've got to um, that we've got to raise. One one player that I find quite interesting on this is 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 Sam Winnall um, because we we bought Winnall for for five hundred thousand pounds, which. Um, I don't know what kind of contract he's on, but certainly in terms of the accounts, that's a negligible sum of of, of money. Um, he's he's gone to Derby. He's done very well. Um, presumably, his value is quite a lot higher than, than than what it was when we when we bought him. He he could be quite a profitable um, player for us, assuming that he doesn't have a future with with Sheffield Wednesday, which seems to be the case with the fact that. Um, he he didn't play a lot when he first came in, and, and uh, the first opportunity was kind of shipped out anyway. So um, you know, what 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 role could the sale of of Sam Winnall play in in kind of balancing these books? It's a, it's funny actually, James, because we, we've been chatting about Sam Winnall a little bit on the Isles America the last couple of weeks. Because you've got to assume that somebody at Hillsborough probably had a heart attack when the news came in that he'd done his ACL. He, he has to have been a, at least a good part of our get out of jail card in, in this this scenario because, you know, assuming that he scored I don't know ten fifteen goals for Derby this season, they got close to or, or two promotion, he was going to be a big saleable asset. You know, probably several million pounds of, of banked um, 
you know, uh, sale fees, um, you know, which then, then offsets the the balance. Um, but of course, he's currently sat in a knee brace somewhere in Derby doing uh, doing TV with uh, with Derby TV. So, um, I guess that that's a little bit more risky in terms of whether we'll realise that sale. But it does seem pretty obvious that he's not coming back to Wednesday, right? I mean, his his behaviour. I think he's receiving his medical support um, down in Derby. He's uh, you know, he's tweeting his love and uh, adoration of those fans. It, it seems hard to conceive of him coming back to Hillsborough in that logic. So, so I hope Peter's right and that he's, you know, he's someone who we, we've either agreed a deal with Derby if they don't get promoted or, you know, once he's rehabilitated, then he's definitely a saleable asset in the championship. So he's one. I mean, you, you've got to look at a couple of other players as well who, you know, perhaps were already in plan for sale and then then injury in the final destination scenario intervened. You know, Fessy being, being an obvious candidate for that you know we we believe that his his sale price was heading towards 10 million in the summer um you know is is a fully rehabilitated and fit fernando forestieri also a player we can cash in on and um and move beyond uh, as we go into next season yeah i'd say so uh the problem is though both winnell and, and forestieri um and yeah the hoop and <laughs> most of the other squad uh members um bannon and, and lease as well is that they've been injured, so that that would depress the value of them because uh, obviously if they've been coming off a, a really good season, um, uh, they'd be fetching a lot more money, um, especially with the the, the hysterical uh, transfer fees that are being bandied about. I mean, in a market where, where Gary Medine can fetch six million pounds um, to to a club chasing promotion to the Premier League, um, we should probably be be not be looking at at, uh, at the figures uh, I mentioned before. Uh, I mean. I've assessed that we could probably sell Fessy for for six million pounds in in um, in, in my uh, in my mass, and and that's probably too low. But I mean, uh, on the other hand, if other clubs know that we we're in distress financially and need to sell, that automatically lowers the price for, for us as well. So you have both the desperation we have or semi semi desperation we have that lowers the price. Then you have um, all the saleable assets having been injured. Which also lowers lowers the price. So, so, from a business sense, if you can in any way keep these players and have them playing again, that will increase their value. So, if we can in any way wait for some of the really saleable assets, like Forest Jerry, uh, like Shao, or like Winnell, um, if you can any, in any way wait to sell them until they've uh, they've they've, uh, they've proven themselves uh, um, at the level they were before they got injured, uh, then that makes a lot more business sense because then we'll get more money for them. Um, so. That's probably why I'd, I'd be be more hesitant to to sell someone like Forrest Jerry uh, in the, in the summer because he's he he'll not be able he he'll quite likely not be able to uh, to prove himself uh, in the championship again because he he'll be essentially doing a long rehabilitation uh, uh, period uh, even including some of the matches. Um, is, is is there an option to do that? By the way, is is there, is there an option to not reshape the squad this summer and wait until January to do it? When when some of these players may be back fit and able to put themselves back in the shop window, I know it's it, it would be another big gamble, but 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 would that be possible? It it could be, yeah. But the problem with the uh, the January window though is we have to find replacements for these players. Um, that that values might increase as well, but um, there's there's some research done that shows you that um, the, the the transfer fees paid in in January are quite a bit higher than the ones paid in, in, during the summer. So we'd be buying. We had to. We'd be have to uh, buy replacements uh, in a in a market in a January window where we'd have to pay more for the players we, we're getting in than we would otherwise do in the summer. 
And then there's also the uh, the argument that if you if you want to uh, to have a, t- a team organized, you you really need a preseason, especially because we're looking at re- reshaping our defense, aren't we? So reshaping the defense in January with uh, with matches Saturday, Tuesday um, is a lot harder than doing it during a preseason where you have a lot of time on the on the training pitch. Um, so so we could, but but it's it's definitely an option. I mean, it's it's not like as I said, it's not really this summer that it's critical. It's really the summer after um, in, in in 2019. Um, so we could definitely wait wait uh, and not sell for here in the summer and, and and wait for January. But there's also another issue. Just to bring it back to some of the technical stuff in, in FFP, and, and 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 I'm sorry if people are nodding nodding off at me, keeping on about the the technical stuff, but. Uh, other than doing the the accounts and sending them them to the uh, the EFL, we also have to do a forecast um, for the current financial year, and and that that's going to be the same case uh, next year. Um, so that forecast really has to show you how we're going to reduce uh, reduce our costs um, for next year when when we, when we have to do it in a year's time. Um, and you'll have to assume that the club will want to have uh, the deals deals done before that before then. So I think there's every indi- every indication that we'll we'll. Um, be looking to to sell quite a few players during the the, the summer. Because... So Peter, that actually addresses one of my questions, which is, you know, I was uh, I was going to get a bit sneaky and say, well, you know, let's let's stop being too negative about this. What what if we just sort of said to hell with FFP and um, you know we're going to do a Wolves and we're going to ramp up our spending this summer and say, well, you know, it didn't work in the first first three years, but year four is the year we're going to spend our way out of this and we'll just take the fine on the other side. Um, are, are you telling us that that forecast would? Um, would at the very least have to be extremely well disguised, uh, albeit probably not be possible because the EFL would have to actually sign off on those transfers. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and, and there's also actually the option that the uh, the executive of the EFL, they have a regulation in there that says um, if, you, if you're asking us to register a player where we can clearly see the, the, the transfer fee for the player will put you in breach of FFP, we can refuse to register the player that is already... Sort sort of veto the uh, the deal and and and, and, and impose an, an embargo, um, so you don't even have to to breach the uh, the losses. You can just, um, but then on the other hand, if you look at at uh, Aston Villa in, in in sixteen seventeen, they spent eighty eight million pounds um, in transfer fees in a single se- season, and I mean we're, we're quibbling about uh, Wednesday spent spending about twenty five million pounds uh, over two seasons, and considering that to be a lot, and con- considering that going for it. And that's really one of my points in this. It's that we really set ourselves between two uh, chairs in, in this, um, because one way to go at it is is to go the uh, the Brentford or Preston route, where you where you're quite frugal and and um, and you you buy players you can sell on for a profit, and that's the way you finance uh, a small loss, and then you hope for the for the playoff lottery um, to to uh, to give a payout at some point. The other route is um, the Wolves route. Um, which is really the only route now uh, for a club that that has that that doesn't have any access to to parachute money. I used to to just really put it on on steroids and and go hyper berserk with it with the spending, um, but also do it wisely because uh, the thing with Wolves that people tend to forget is it's it's not just that they've thrown a lot of money at it; they've spent it wisely. Um, as I said before, we we've spent quite a bit of money as well, um, but we've we've not spent very wisely. Wolves have bought some some uh, some super players because because of their the contacts with a, a Portuguese uh, football agent, players that could easily play in the Premier League. But 
the agent has convinced them to play for Wolves um, as part of probably of a deal with the uh, the owners of Wolves, um, and they'll they'll all be getting a big payout when once uh, Wolves uh, get to the uh, the Premier League. And if they hadn't, people would probably say, "What's with the gamble fail for Wolves?" Well, then they have players sitting on, on, in their squad that they could sell for forty, fifty, sixty million pounds, and uh, just in one go, in one full swoop, uh, you'll re- you'll uh, have the uh, the ghost of FFP uh, go away again. We can't do that because we we, we barely have a, a, an entire squad uh, worth that amount um, because of uh, of the type of players we, we've bought. Yeah, it, it does bear the point, doesn't it? That you know, actually, we're spending a lot of time talking about what uh, we say financial fair play. I know the official term now is, is profit and sustainability, I think, in terms of the latest uh, series of regulations. But but really, there's a case to be be had about the fact that this is, you know, frankly, anti-competitive. It's, it's stacking the deck so, so significantly against those teams who haven't had the, the time in the premiership to, to absorb those parachute payments and have the type of cost base that um, that Aston Villa can afford to to sustain. But that's probably a conversation, a movement, a protest for another day. So what, what we've essentially said is, you know, there's a couple of scenarios here. There's one which is we're prudent. We recut our costs. We have to go through some sales in the summer. We try to protect the core of the squad, but we reshape the squad for another push. And we, we do that smartly and, and judiciously. Um, there's a second scenario, which is where we go hell for leather, but that's probably not possible because the, uh, the EFL would probably stop us in our tracks if we if we tried that. Um, I guess there's a, a third and probably more negative scenario, which is that they stop us before we even get into the shape, reshaping uh, exercise because they're concerned about the uh, 17, 18 accounts. But we've said that's a lower probability. Um, I'm going to have to ask about a, a fourth scenario, which I don't think even two months ago we would have uh, we would have considered, um, but but it at the moment is a seven-point possibility, which is what happens if Wednesday go down? What happens if we end up in League One with this cost base? Um, you know, just, are, are there any um, allowances or alleviations on the FFP situation so that we could sustain it? Um, or are we expected to follow the same rules? Yeah, it, it, it does feel like uh, watching Ben Lewins uh, run for 25 yards to, to put in a sliding tackle. You, you know it's going to end badly, but... Uh... But you're hoping it's not going to happen, and he's going to win the ball. That's that's the situation with the relegation now for me. Um, it's it's that's it. Just get wor- it, it. It'll get worse if we get relegated. Uh, not just because we'll we'll be in League One again, um, but because the uh, the FFP rules um, or profitability and sustainability rules are a lot stricter in in League One. Um, when you get relegated from the Championship, you're allowed to spend 100% of your income on wages. Um, so that's, I mean, we spent at the moment we spent uh, about 120 percent of our, our income on wages. That is, every time we have um, 10 pounds in income, we spent 12 pounds on wages, um, and we had to, we, we would have to bring that down to 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 to, to uh, spending the 10 pounds we get in, so to speak. The problem is though, um, even though we don't have the parachute money, the uh, the the so-called um, uh, the graciously named uh, Premier League solidarity payments, uh, which is. Uh, Essentially, the the money they give to uh, to championship clubs uh, to to show up about the uh, the chasm of uh, of inequality between the, the Premier League and the, and the Championship, that would fall away almost entirely. Um, it's it's about six uh, seven million pounds uh, in the Championship, and it's it's around a bit lower than, than one million pound in uh, in in, um, uh, in in League One. So that would would mean our income would fall six million. We'd probably also see lower attendances in uh, in in League One. I mean. Uh, uh, there's been a surge in, in the last few years after when we've been doing well, but but once when we were back in uh, in League One uh, under under Mandarich, we we didn't really have it that high attendances and um, 
and I mean the ticket prices we've we've uh, instated they are not sustainable at League One level uh, that's for sure so we we'll probably also lose say about two million pounds from from uh, from from lower gate receipts um so in total our income will probably fall from 23 to 50 million pounds so that's really the income we can spend on wages 15 million pounds as I mentioned earlier the current wage bill is 29 million pounds so if we go down to League one we'd have to uh, essentially, halve the uh, the wage bill. We have to get rid of of wages to the tune of fourteen million pounds uh, a year. So you're not just looking at at uh, at uh, trimming the edges of, of the squad and uh, maybe sending a few players away and uh, and using the funds to to get a few others in and, and refresh the squad. You're looking at at wholesale squad change and and getting rid of uh, just about um, yeah most of the first teamers because of the wages that are on. Okay, so James said earlier on that we couldn't just stick our fingers in our ears and pretend like this is happening, but I'm going to stick my fingers in my ears and pretend that you didn't just say all of what you just said, um, because that is not a scenario that I'm willing to uh, to, to see in reality. So let's um, let's just put a call out here to make sure that for goodness sake we don't get relegated. That was uh, that was doomsday. Oh, it felt like we, 2010 we, all over again. We so, just have to make sure that doesn't lot, happen. I'm, don't of, we? I'm really a lot of fun of the parties, you can imagine. Oh, goodness me. Uh, that really brought down my beautiful... And the sun's gone in in, in New York as well. It's getting dark. Um, so, James, I mean, I guess this is kind of a good point to kind of pivot the conversation, right? We've, we've got a series of different ways forward, but it sounds like the the much more preferable one is, A, we survive, yeah. um, and B, we then go through a, a prudent kind of, you know, a restructuring exercise over, over the course of the summer. So, you know, how, how do we find some positivity about the, the options for that and, and what you know what what next season looks like relative to this season well i was thinking earlier about um uh, you know kind of in in the lead up to us recording this well what how, how can we pull some positives from it well for me it's um what what we're looking at doing here what the option that we're looking at that seems to be the most favorable most favorable one is shipping out some of the squad and trying something a little bit different. Now, that's likely to mean that some of the younger players who are around the the, the squad at the moment are going to get a bit more of a chance. Uh, and it could be that some of the younger players who are not around the squad at the moment will will also, therefore, be kind of pushed up the pecking order and get a bit of a, a, a bit of a chance. And I think we've all thought at various points this season that it really is time for a big clear out and to move in a different direction. So, although it wouldn't necessarily be happening on our own terms it's kind of forcing our hand but it would be going down a different kind of of route really and what i found quite interesting over the last few months and particularly since we recorded our original um ffp special uh, a couple of months back is that the club have signed up quite a a few of our younger players who've who've recently moved from the academy into the the first team fold uh, up to new contracts we know that there are certainly a couple of um shall we say more higher profile younger players that they're trying to get signed up to um to new contracts so that maybe gives us an indication that that's a direction that they are looking towards which is putting a bit of faith in some of our our younger players that have come through our academy system or have certainly been involved in our academy for the last few years um and you know with that brings a degree of unpredictability doesn't it but it also brings a degree of excitement because i think a lot of us would say that probably for for the last 12 months now that what we've been watching at hillsborough has not been particularly exciting in terms of um of, of football so that's my attempt to try and find a positive out of this which is that by offloading some of the 
players who are maybe towards the latter end of their career and you know maybe maybe did come here for one last sort of payday it allows us to to bring some younger players into the fold and um you know that certainly at least gives us something to get a little bit excited about well, I feel a little bit more upbeat now I mean you know just a little bit tiny bit but I guess we need to kind of <laughs> add some defensive steel to that flair in midfield with uh, with Sean Clare but yeah you know, I, I could get involved with that strategy and as you say it it maybe changes the calculus a little bit about you know Wednesday nights being optimistic about recasting a squad that did did run close two years you know maybe we made some errors of judgment in terms of how we loaded it up but you know we know where it's got us to and we know we've got to make a change so other teams have been there done that and you know we've we've been discussing online Brighton who you know went through a fairly turbulent time of their own after their first couple of seasons pushing for the Premier League and and had to recalibrate before they you know ultimately came back with a team that. Peter was describing earlier on so so maybe we hang our hat on that positivity that the, the reshaping can be done that we hang on to assets like uh, Adam Reach and, and Gary Hooper I mean I, I know he's at the top end of the only scale but a fit Gary Hooper for me would be a, a fulcrum of, of a, any team trying to get out of the championship so so hopefully we can uh, we can find some upside in that Peter uh, can you can you find a positive future for us on that basis or uh, or, or, or uh, James and I getting a little bit too happy clappy here uh, late on a Monday evening yeah, I'll, I'll try to be positive. Uh, um, I mean, this forces us to, to as you said, I, I agree a lot with what you said, both of you. Both of you. Uh, this forces us to change the strategy to something we should have been employing from the start, in my opinion, because uh, it's quite clear that that Chancery has has paid little attention to uh, the infrastructure of the club, uh, and he's just used every bit of cash he had to uh, to spend on. Uh, on, on players and getting in in, in uh, proven players from the Premier League, so to speak. Um, our our training ground, Middlewood, Middlewood Road. I mean, even in, even in the late nineties, it was still uh, it was it was already outdated, wasn't it? So we could we could definitely improve that. And uh, and I mean, if we're going to going to move for younger players and improving them and, and having to sell them on, then that's definitely a thing to do. Our academy improve that as well. Medical staff improve that as well. Recruitment uh, and and scouting improve that as well. I mean, some of the players we've signed. Um, have been less unfortunate, haven't they? Even even uh, during the first two seasons of of, of Carvajal's uh, time with us, and all, and the good thing is all those expenses um, I just mentioned, they won't count against uh, FFP. So if Tanjiri is saying I will have all this money and I want to spend it, then well, in my world, I really don't get why he's not spending it on on, on the infrastructure, because that's what we're gonna that's what what we're gonna be living on uh, in in, uh, in five years and ten years time, because we we're gonna have to get used to. Being able to develop our own players, which we've we're probably one of the worst teams to do that uh, <laughs> for a long time. Um, and and I mean, I, I like it that you that you said it's not a risk-free strategy to go for the youngsters, but I believe it's a strategy that that most Wednesdayites uh, can get behind. Um, um, but there's there's also there's always the risk that that people uh, aren't too aren't enough uh, don't have enough patience with the with the youngsters as well, and and. I mean, it really comes down to me for uh, down, down to the fact that the Wednesday had had to uh, to change their expectations uh, and stop expecting this team uh, next season to push for promotion. We have to have uh, a consolidation season um, next season and maybe even the season after. But if we do this right, we we do have uh, considerable resources available, and if we invest them in in up and coming players who are cheaper than the players we've we bought now. Uh, there's a real possibility that we can organically grow um, season over season, um, and in maybe in in uh, in, in two, uh, three, or four years' time, we, we'll ha- we'll have uh, 
a really good squad that could challenge for, for promotion. Um, I, th- I really think that's the only option. I mean, the other p- options um, uh, are too high risk and and, uh, and too likely to fail. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. Actually, it does feel kind of talking this through. It kind of brings you to a natural sort of conclusion about the only real way that we can, or, or certainly the 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 pref the preferable way to um, to go about this this really. And just a couple of things that I wanted to kind of mention, which um, people might be listening, thinking, well, what about? Um, obviously, the multi-year season ticket things come around again. It's worth just pointing out that if you buy a five-year season ticket, for example, that that money is spread over the five years of the accounts it doesn't all go into the accounts for this for this summer so that's not kind of like um the club's easy fix to this situation because it, it doesn't get around the um the, the the kind of the immediate problem of, of needing money to come in and it's worth just mentioning merchandise as well in terms of the fact that um you know we we've we're often accused as a club of of not maximizing our revenue in terms of the uh the merchandise and particularly the shop and and what we've got available and obviously you know the shirt fiasco kind of rears its head here at this point um and certainly we could probably bring more money into the club but nowhere near the amount that we that we're talking about that we we need to kind of be, be be bringing in in the in the not too distant future so i thought that they were just kind of points that were worth getting across in case they were on people's minds because they're things that, that I've sort of thought about. It, it is a subject that we can talk about um, probably for hours. And again, it, it, it does feel like we've really kind of barely scratched the, 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 the surface. But for now, that will bring us to a close of our special collaboration podcast, the uh, the second in kind of an occasional series. So time for our sign-offs. Peter? Uh been a pleasure talking to you again um and i mean if, if people are interested in this subject and want to learn more about it um you should really be looking at at uh, a swiss ramble um at swiss ramble uh, on twitter which uh, um is a is an account um james uh, mentioned earlier as well um but he knows a lot about the about this sort of stuff and and he compares the clubs so you can see how we are compared to the other clubs and how how far behind we are actually and the other guy i think you should be looking at is, uh, is a guy called uh, Kieran Maguire, um, also on Twitter, uh, and he does a similar sort of thing. But he he, he goes through uh, the the accounts um, more thoroughly for for for, um, for 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 single clubs, and he's done the same for Wednesday. And both both accounts have done run throughs of, of Wednesday's accounts um, um, just in the last few days. So so you should have a look at. I've uh, retweeted quite a few um, um, of of their tweets over the last few days. So if you look at my time, then certainly you'll you'll find them. Otherwise, go through the, the to those two accounts. Okay, and um, Mr. Bearded Hipster. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm off to have a dinner of uh, of hummus, and I might even try some sushi. No, um, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, talking with you guys again. So, uh, you know, particular thanks again to Peter for uh, for just being so on top of the figures and and sharing his perspective. You know, I'll, I'll say again, these are perspectives. You know, we're not we're not trained accountants. We don't have access to figures that everybody else doesn't. So, you know, we're just interpreting things as we see it. But, um, you know, hopefully this has been useful to people. And uh, if you're interested in uh, other perspectives on Wednesday, uh, you can find me at Manhattan Now on Twitter uh, or uh, or at Owls Americas uh, for uh, for broader uh, American perspectives. What I will say is that, you know, we've, we've tried to address a lot of questions that we put out on those Twitter accounts or gave people the option to, to raise questions um, over the last 48 hours. Um, I think the only one that we've not been able to address directly is uh, a pretty insightful question or, or challenging question that was ra- raised by uh, somebody nameless who said, who would win in a fight between a bear and a shark who are fighting FFP? 
uh, which is, I'm, I'm going to be musing <laughs> on for months. But what I will say is that, in my mind, the Bear and the Shark will tag team and take down FFP. Because if there's one conclusion we can all draw from this, it's that FFP is fundamentally unfair when it comes to trying to level the playing field with the Premier League. So uh, I'm all for the Bear and Shark in some kind of you know tag team wrestling combo uh, solving this particular problem for us. So uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you guys and, uh, and looking forward to uh, seeing how the club progress with this when we survive in May. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at James Marriott, as in the hotels, which I don't own any shares in, unfortunately. Uh, I'll be back on the Wednesday week later this week. You can find us on Twitter at TWWcast or at thewednesdayweek.co.uk. Uh, thank you for your company. We'll be back with another special soon. But for now, up the owls. <laughs>